her faith in Christ, public witness. Today is a message that is going to be more like a warning kind of word. There are times that those that speak for God are supposed to give warnings when warnings are needed. And so this is not going to be a shouting hallelujah kind of message, but I pray that you open your spirit and receive it today because it is heavy upon me. My title today is simply this, they went out from us. They went out from us. Excuse me. And I read a statement recently, and, and I'm careful when I read even things that other pastors write or other uh, spiritual leaders write. I'm careful not to just be too quick to repeat something. Hello? I think there's wisdom in that for all of us. Don't be so careful to just share or tweet or repeat something that you hear. But it, it, it just mulled over in my spirit, and I couldn't get away from it. And I thought, I'm, I probably need to speak to this somewhat in a message, and the Holy Spirit did confirm that to my heart. And the statement that I read, it went something like this, those who do the most damage to the cause of Christ are those who were once involved in the cause of Christ. Those who do the most damage to the church were once a part of the church. They went out from us. The Apostle John writes of that, and we're going to read it together in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Let's be careful that we not get fixated in the times that we're living in on the identity of the Antichrist. There are so many that just get caught up in that. Could it be this person? Is he or she alive and well in the earth today? Is, is he known somewhere? Is he on the public scene in some other country somewhere? Who is this Antichrist? And there is going to be one. He will not be revealed while we're alive and well. The church will have been caught away and taken out of here before the Antichrist comes on the scene to carry out his satanic schemes, if you will. But let's do understand there are many antichrists, many antichrists as we just read. And unfortunately, I believe many of them were once of Christ. We're going to look at this today in Scripture. But they, they went out from us, us meaning the church, out from us, the congregation, the sheep, the fold, if you will. And they turned 
away, and not just away, but against. Understand that the agenda of Antichrist, Antichrist, anything and everything that is for Christ, Antichrist hates, attacks, and attempts to destroy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul is speaking of this. You won't see it on the screen, but just listen. It says this, avoid godless chatter. Hmm. A lot of godless chatter out there today. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. 2 Timothy 2, I'm reading. Among them, Paul names them. Two that he was dealing with that went out from us. They were with, but they, they left and went out from us. And they, and they began to do great harm to the, to the church, to the body of Christ, if you will. He says, among them are Hamanus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. So, let me just finish that. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Departed from the truth, they were once in the truth. They were once saved. They departed from the truth, and they try to destroy the faith of some. Folks, if ever we're in an hour and a season where we must hold fast to our profession of faith, we have to hold fast to our profession of faith. You see, the church is no longer mainstream. It's no longer a reflection of, if you will, mainstream. Let me just read this quote I recently read. I don't know this man. He was, he, his title is that he's a Christian counselor and a Christian uh, author. His name is Paul Tripp. I don't know him, but he wrote something recently that came across my eyes, and I thought, wow, that is profound, and I believe profoundly true. And he said this, it's very important to understand the church is not a center culture community anymore. We're a fringe culture community. We're on the edges of the culture now. And when you're a fringe culture community, you are generally misunderstood. And when you're a fringe culture community, people don't get you. They don't carry your assumptions and what you stand for. And the way that you stand for it is generally misunderstood. And I, I said long ago at the very beginning of this pandemic that the people of faith were going to be viewed as, as, as more as people of foolishness than ever before in the history of the American church. Those people that are truly standing in faith and trusting God and pressing through and holding fast to their faith in these times are going to seem more fringe and foolish than ever before in history. And we are. Thank God the Supreme Court recently struck down uh, the governor of New York who had forbid churches, faith communities to gather for worship. They struck it down. We can celebrate that, folks. That affects us all. But that ruling came 
Again, it served as a confirmation. Church is no longer a center culture community. We're a fringe culture community. And all the more when I read this, and you'll see it on the screen, it takes on such a different meaning for us in this time. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, I'm not a cowboy. I actually used to have a horse when I was a teenager. I tell, when I tell people that, they find that hard to believe. Also, when I tell them I used to have a motorcycle and I rode a motorcycle as a teenager, I don't know why. They just like, you? I don't know, but I did. Anyway. I used to have a horse, but I'm no cowboy, not by a long shot. But I've watched enough cowboy movies to know what the spur on the boots of the rider of the horse, the cowboy, are for. It's when the horse loses his focus a little. When the horse doesn't share the urgency the cowboy on his back shares in the moment. He's still moving, but he's just not moving at the right pace. He's gotten a little distracted. <clears throat> and the spur in that right spot, right in front of that back leg on either side, and that little tender right there, that horse perks back up again, gets focused real quick, and, and, and shares the passion of the rider. Hello? Folks, the writer of the Hebrews is saying we're in a time, and I believe it's so, is speaking so right now to us like never before, that we've got to spur one another on in their faith, in love, and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together. Whether that meeting for you is online or on site, not giving up meeting together. We cannot continue to serve God. We cannot continue to grow our faith. We, cannot, we, we won't even remain in faith if we abandon community, if we abandon being together, being connected together. And that verse, uh, verse 25, don't give up meeting together. Man, it's more important than ever before when we have states and we have governors and certain uh, gov uh, decrees and mandates of governors saying you can't worship, the church can't gather as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D, day. What is that day? The day of the Lord. The day of His return approaching and drawing nearer. Man, we need to, we need to hold unswervingly to the hope. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. The spirit of Antichrist is infiltrating the church. We need to hold to the hope that we've been professing. We need to spur one another on and boldly encourage your friends, your family, maybe, maybe other members here that you haven't seen, that you don't know what they're doing, where they're at, what's going on. Reach out, encourage them in their faith. Encourage them to stay connected either virtually or in person to the community of faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not giving up those meetings, those gatherings. Encouraging one another. And you know, it's very interesting, these strong exhortations for us as believers 
And the very next verse turns drastically. Verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. <clears throat> now he's saying that if we keep on sinning, we will come to a place where there is no longer any forgiveness of, of the sin. And then we fall under the category of those getting judgment as one of the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses, verse 28, died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said... It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. The Lord will judge His people. Verse 31, it is a dreadful thing. Some translations say terrible thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 describes in detail what happens when a people who once knew God and once worshipped Him, turn from Him, and it's not a pretty picture. Starting in verse 25 of Romans 1, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged their natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. <clears throat> they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. People that were once Christ people who have turned and become antichrist people, they went out from us. <clears throat> and my, 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 it is a dreadful and it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There are many scriptures that, that 
refer that God's judgment is harsh upon those who were once in the faith and turned away. Now, we are not a we are not a church, we're not a movement as a part of the Assemblies of God movement who believe in the <clears throat> doctrine of eternal security. Let me tell you something. Christ will never walk away from you. However, you can walk away from Him. Your will does not go away. The power of your own choice does not disappear and go away when you become born again, when you become saved, when you accept Christ into your life. You can still choose. We've got other scriptures that are going to show it. You can still choose to turn away, to walk away, to have been in truth and then turn away from truth. <clears throat> and there will be those who will go so far away that they'll get to a point of no return. Only God knows that. <clears throat> Don't ever get in the business of trying to identify anybody that God has given over to a depraved mind and there is no longer any hope of repentance for them left. Only God knows that. Only God knows that. What does that mean? We minister the gospel to everybody. We throw out the lifeline of Jesus to everybody. We pray for the mercy and the salvation of God for everybody. Only God knows when one has been given over by their own choices and has come into the, uh, to a spirit of antichrist <clears throat> and have gone beyond the point of being able to come back again. Again, making a mockery of the precious blood of Jesus. Let's see again, Paul speaks to this again. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> now the Spirit speaks expressly. I'll give you a little King James. It's good for everybody once in a while. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. I mean, that's pretty clear. Some, they were in the faith. They will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. All of that comes from an antichrist spirit. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now look, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. There is no more conviction of sin going on for this kind of person. This leads right into Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. There is a group being described here, that once walked with God, once were for Christ or pro-Christ, but then they become anti-Christ. Once they've fallen away, verse 6, it's impossible to be brought back to repentance. To their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, 
and subjecting him to public disgrace. Folks, we're in a season unlike any the church has ever known before. Where the, there, are, there are antichrists. There are those, you know, here, here's the interesting thing. I, I said that I believe this statement that I recently read that the people that do the most damage to the church and to the cause of Christ once belonged and were a part of the church and the cause of Christ. Most of us know that most well known celebrities, whether in the music field or the acting field, if you've ever heard them give a testimony of their life story, many of them, many of them were once of Christ, raised in the faith that we all share, raised up in the church. And they turn away, and when they turn away, it's like they're on this unified mission to demean and mock and criticize Christ and His church. Am I telling you the truth? You know it's the truth. God's Word says there will be some that will not be able to find their way to repentance again. Uh, Understand, Jesus said they loved the the world, hated me, the world hates you. Well, who's the prince of the power of the world? Who's the prince of the power of this age? Both then and now, none other than Satan. Remember, the first Antichrist was Satan. But Satan was Lucifer at that time, pre-Antichrist, when he was pro-Christ, if you will. He was once Lucifer, an archangel. No, no more, no, nothing, be- nothing any more beautiful than Lucifer as he is described in Scripture in his created form. He walked among the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in eternity, in the realms of heaven. And then he went out from them. And who is the first one and the leader of all the others out to do the greatest harm to Christ? The first hater of Christ. The first antichrist. None other than Satan who he himself was among them. Among the holy and then turned. Pride came in and he turned and was thrown out of heaven and yes, became the anti, the Christ hater. And what is his mission to get as many people? Did you know something? There is no more valued <clears throat> trophy on Satan's mantelpiece than the soul who was once in the light, who was once in the faith. And chose to turn away. That's the most prized soul in Satan's trophy case of hell, if you will. The one that once passed from death to life, but then chose to go to death again. The one that once knew the hope of Christ and chose to turn away. There is no more prized trophy for Satan than that. A soul that was once in the light and turns back to darkness. Second Peter says this of them, For if if they have escaped the corruption of the world, Second Peter starting in verse 20, by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, and are overcome, 
by the corruption of the world. They are worse off at the end, at the end of their life, than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for that person not to have ever known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. It truly is a terrible thing, church, to fall into the hands of the living God. Did you know that many, many, many false prophets today, starting with some that the Apostle Paul even names, and I named just two a few moments ago, but many false prophets today were once true prophets. They were once true prophets. Many false teachers, teachers of false doctrine, once taught true doctrine. Many antichrists were once Christ followers. Many God-haters were once God-lovers. You may know someone like that. Many church-haters were once church-lovers. I know I know more than I'd like to know that fall into that category. Understand, there is another gospel. Folks, there's another gospel. Scripture calls, says there's another gospel, a false gospel or an anti-gospel, if you will. The Apostle Paul warned us in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 17, that there will be those who were once sheep in the fold with us who turn away and become wolves. And what do they do? They come back in among the sheep to try to destroy as many as they can. You see, I just said that these antichrists, they were once in the church now it's like they live their life on a mission to mock the church at every possible opportunity. To mock Christianity, the sacredness of our faith and the faith of millions around the world. The spirit of Antichrist has consumed them. And Paul said, be careful, I'm warning you. He said, I'm warning you, church. I've, I've warned you through tears, he says in that discussion I think it's Acts chapter 17. It's in Acts. I've warned you through tears. They're going to be sheep, I mean wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing come in among you to try to destroy you, to try to attack your faith, to try to question everything that you hold and, and believe to be holy. The spirit of Antichrist is on a mission to attack everything that is Christ. And all who are Christ's, if you will. Guard yourself. Hold fast to your profession of faith. The godless chatter. We're on the fringe of culture now. That's sad to say, but it is true. Dear friends, the, John goes on to write in 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many False prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, 
are from God and have overcome them because, as I memorized it as a child, greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. And the, that he who is in the world is none other than the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Have you ever even imagined, I have, what would a sign and a wonder from a false prophet look like? Insomuch, Jesus is saying, that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every voice. Do not believe every preacher necessarily either. There are so many again that were, were once true preachers have become false preachers. They were once true prophets, now they're false prophets. And who do false prophets try to continue to prophesy to? Us. Not the world. The world sees all prophets as crazy or whatever. They try to, they, they try to stay among the church. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus warned us, beware, some of them will perform signs and wonders. Test every spirit. The Holy Spirit will always bear witness with your own spirit. Folks, it's, is it any wonder that Scripture so emphasizes, hold fast to your faith. The spirit of Antichrist is all around us. Spur others on. And there are, there are many that you know, many that were once faithful, many that are struggling, many that are depressed or in despair. There are the lockdowns, the shutdowns, all of the psychological and spiritual implications, which most of them are not good. Encourage them boldly. Spur them onward in their faith. I believe everything the devil has, everything... Antichrist's spirit has is being thrown at the saints of God today in an attempt to weary us, in an attempt to deceive us, in an attempt to wear us down, in an attempt to offend us. Make no room in your heart for offense. Do not sympathize with anybody who is offended. Offense is a deadly poison. It doesn't stay small. Well, I, I, I'm just a little offended. Trust me. Offense is not going to stay small. It's going to become vicious and try to overpower your life and shipwreck your faith. Because it's the spirit of Antichrist that is behind offense. Jesus even said that's a sign of the end times. Many will become offended because of him. Do not sympathize with anybody else's offense. Do not take it on. Do not carry it. Do not try to reason with it and bring it to the cross of Jesus and lay it down. Cast it off and be healed and be restored. The spirit of Antichrist is determined to put a muzzle upon God's people in this hour. 
a muzzle on our prayers, a, a muzzle on our praise, to muzzle our intercession, to muzzle our voice. But we cannot be muzzled. We will not be muzzled. My friend, do not let your mask become a muzzle. Hello? Do not let the mask muzzle your voice. Be the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this country, crying in the wilderness of societies and cities, crying in the wilderness of schools and universities. Be the voice crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is upon us. Be, be the voice speaking up for truth and for the freedom that is only truly found in Christ. Be the voice declaring and decreeing, Thy kingdom come, O God, and Thy will be done on the earth where I live, move, work, play, have my very being, even as it is in heaven as Jesus told us to pray. Be the voice announcing Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Be the voice of Christ in the midst of the voices of Antichrist all around us. Guard your faith, the devil's after it. I said the devil's after it. I don't care if that offended person is your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, or your own spouse. Guard your faith. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. Reject the lie. Tap into that place to be infused with the strength and the hope of God like never before in these difficult times. And I am not discounting how difficult this time is during this pandemic. You know what, never, neither, I should say, neither be distracted by all the hysteria about whether he should concede or not concede. While the question for us today is, have we, the ambassadors of Christ, have we conceded? Have we conceded to popular opinion? Have we conceded to our own comforts? Have we conceded to political correctness? Have we conceded our spiritual authority in this hour? Have we conceded to the moral decline sweeping across this land? Have we conceded to the spirit of Antichrist? So to that, my answer today is no, we have not conceded. And we as the people of God will not concede. We will not concede to popular opinion. We will not concede to political correctness. We will not concede our authority in this land. We will not concede to lawlessness. We will not concede to the haters of this nation. We will not concede to the murder of the newly born now. Newly born and the unborn, we will not concede to the redefinition of holy matrimony. We will not concede to the spirit of Antichrist. These masks will not become muzzles. We will let our voices be heard in the natural realms and in the supernatural realms. We will not concede in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We will not. 
the, the prophet Jeremiah, and I leave you with these words because it's as if he's speaking to America. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 7. At one time I will suddenly speak concerning a nation or kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. Hmm. And if the people of that nation concerning which I have spoken turn from their evil, I will relent and reverse my decision concerning the evil I thought to do to them. At another time, I will suddenly speak concerning a nation or kingdom that I will build it up and plant it. Even if they do evil in my sight, obeying not my voice, then I will regret and reverse my decision concerning the good with which I said I would benefit them. Folks, I'm appealing to the tender-hearted mercy of our God for our nation. I pray that God has not already decided He's going to tear down, pluck up, uproot, and destroy. But you know what? Even if He has decided that, our voices, our voices can change His mind. God will change His mind. And folks, I don't know about you, but I know there's been such a movement of repentance. There's been such a movement, again, not to concede the righteous foundations of this nation and, and our righteous living, the lives of righteousness with which we have been living for uh, different for every one of us from the moment you said yes to Jesus forward. We're not going to concede. The spirit of Antichrist is raging. Unfortunately, the spirit of Antichrist is going to bring some people to a seared conscience. They're going to turn from the truth, and they'll never be able to turn back again. But only God knows who those people are. I do know one thing. It won't be me. I said it ain't going to be me. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to keep our voices heard and known. And we're going to intercede like never before for our own families, our church, our church family, our nation. Because God said, I will change my mind if those people repent and turn their heart to me. And we know that of God. You can change God's mind through prayer, through repentance. And there's been a great grand movement of millions around the world, not just in America, that have said, God, we repent before you for the sins of our forefathers, for the sins of our family, for the sins of generations, for the sins of the church. Those of us that are in the church, we repent for the sins of the church where we have sinned against you. Lord, we want you to turn and where you were going to uproot and tear down, build up again, plant again, reestablish righteousness on our behalf. Keep me, O Lord, from offense, keep me from godless chatter. Guard my heart, guard my mind, guard my ears, that I may hold unswervingly to the faith for myself 
and spur on my brother, my sister, my neighbor towards faith and to stand firm. Would you bow your heads? Father, the spirit of Antichrist is raging, but your spirit, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, than the spirit of Antichrist raging all around us. Lord, the reality is some will become possessed, if you will, by the spirit of Antichrist, and they'll go beyond being able to ever be redeemed again. <clears throat> you said the judgment for them was going to be harsh, because they once knew, they once were enlightened, they once tasted of the heavenly gift. And they turned away and you gave them over to a seared conscience. They went beyond the point of ever returning again. Lord, I pray for everybody that hears my voice right now that they never take their faith for granted. That we not become careless, Lord. That we not allow these masks to muzzle us. We will never concede Jesus Christ. We'll never concede our faith in any way, shape, or form. Because we're going to endure to the very end. And we're going to be saved. I don't know where you are in your own heart. Only God can see your heart. I would never pretend to be able to see it. But if you're in this room and you just say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you just pray for me? I need prayer. I can't ask you to come. We can't get real close. But I can know who I'm praying for. And you say, pray for me. I'm just not, I don't know. I just really don't know where I stand with God. I don't want to be on the side of Antichrist. I want to be on the side of Jesus Christ. I want to know that my life is in His hands. But you're not sure. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to see it real quick. Anybody in the room? You might be online. That's between you and God. I want to know if I'm praying for anybody in here in this final prayer. You can. You may not even want to acknowledge anything to me, and that's fine. By all means, acknowledge it to the Lord in your own heart and in your own way. And we can help you once you've done that whether you're online or in this room, would you take your cell phone out in a very private way and just text the word life. Text the word life, it's going to come to me. Text the word life. You didn't raise your hand, that's fine. You'd like for me to pray for you. I'll do that in a very personal way if you'll text the word life to 561-232-3992. You see it on the screen. Text the word life to 561-23. What harm? What harm is it in this pastor praying for you? There's no harm in that. I believe it will help you in a powerful way because it is God that's going to confirm, confirm in your own heart that you now belong to Him. If you're online, do it. I'm going to get it. Text the word LIFE to 561 I want to ask our baptism candidate, if you're in this room, Pastor Jerry is ready. Even the camera is going to zoom in over here so you that are online can celebrate this baptism with us. And I'm going to move over there. 
real quick and we're going to, as our benediction, baptize somebody in water today. Oh, goodness, don't baptize yourself, brother. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> on the other side, yeah. Mark, just tell us real quick, a couple of sentences, why you're doing this today. I realize that Jesus Christ died for us, and I'm professing my faith. Hallelujah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Step this way.